Uh, well, last month our family went on holidays and uh, we went to a few coastal towns and spent uh, quite a lot of time in the surf, which was really lovely. Uh, when we got to Sortel, uh, the surf was bigger there than at the other beaches we'd been to. I have uh, spent six years of my childhood growing up on, uh, at the beach, so I'm a little bit familiar, whereas my kids, they've just pretty much spent their whole lives here, and so they haven't spent a lot of time in the surf. So as we're walking along the beach to where we're going to go into the water, I'm just checking to see if my kids can see the rips, you know, the currents in the water that would take them out to the ocean if they get caught in them. They couldn't see them. Uh, to them, it just looked like water. Uh, so I made sure we went into a pretty safe part of the surf. But as I said, the surf was a little bit bigger than where we'd been before. And there were a couple of rips either side of where we... So I had my cautious hat on and I probably went a bit over the top. But as we're wading into the surf and I've got my three kids with me, I am laying down the law with my kids. I need you to stay in this section. You've got to keep looking back to the beach to make sure we're directly opposite where our gear is. That's the safe part. Don't get out of your depth. Alex, this is a bit rough for you, so don't go out to the bigger waves. I'm going to go out the back with Justin, but don't follow us. You stay here. I made sure they knew exactly what they needed to know in order to stay. So they had to get this right. Now, it's that kind of thing going on in our verses this morning. As the passage was read, you'll notice there's a lot in there about priests and we have to get this whole priest thing right because if we don't God's crystal clear without the right priest you can't approach God without the right priest you won't be forgiven without the right priest you won't be saved get this wrong you fall into the hands of the living God to face his fury we need the right priest priest we need the right go-between between us and God we have to get this right and that's what the writer to the Hebrews wants to nail down for us in these verses chapter 7 is filled with a lot of detail about priests and guys like Melchizedek and Levi and Jesus and at times it can be a little bit hard to follow and the writer must have known that this was quite a bit tricky because he gets to the end of it and he says listen here's the point of what I'm saying you ready Jesus is our priest. Look at it with me there in chapter 8, verse 1. This is his kind of conclusion. Chapter 8, verse 1, he's speaking about Jesus. The point of what we're saying is this. We do have such a high priest. Okay, there's his point. Jesus is our high priest. That's the bottom line for us today. Okay? If you forget everything else, don't forget that. Jesus is the only priest we'll ever need. So we're not to turn to anyone else to be our priest. We're not to look to anyone else to bring us to God. It's Christ Jesus. He's our priest. Now, for you and I, this is probably old news. You know, we know Jesus is our priest. He sacrificed himself uh, to die for our sins. Now, being old news doesn't mean we don't want to take the time to think through this and make sure we're really clear about it all, because remember, we have to get this right But Jesus being our priest, that's not new for us. Whereas for the original readers of this letter, Jesus being our priest, that was totally off the chart weird. Because for the original readers, remember, they're Jewish Christians. Jews who had grown up with the Jewish temple and all the priests. And every single Jew knew 
that the only people that could be priests were the Levites. You had to come from the tribe of Levi to be a priest. This comes direct from God himself in the Old Testament. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't come from the tribe of Levi. So how could he be a priest? Come back with me to chapter 7, verse 14. Chapter 7, verse 14, where the writer says, For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. So for the Jewish Christians reading this letter to say that Jesus is our priest, he's from Judah. He can't be. It's like saying you can be a senator in our parliament but not be an Australian citizen. No, you can't. Or you can try. Or it's like saying a dog can be a cat. No, it can't. You just can't be a priest if you don't come from the tribe of Levi. So how is it even possible that Jesus could be our priest? Well, the answer all centers around a mysterious fellow called Melchizedek. Because Melchizedek was a priest of God, but he also wasn't from the tribe of Levi. And it turns out Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now that's going to take some explaining. That's chapter 7. So let's have a look. And the first thing to point out is that Melchizedek was a priest and that he was greater than even Levi. Chapter 7, verse 1. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. Now this comes from way back in Genesis chapter 14 and this is super weird stuff. Because Melchizedek is introduced to us as a priest of God Most High. And we all know the priests of God come from Levi, but at the time of Melchizedek, Levi hasn't even been born. So how could Melchizedek even be a priest? Well, we're not exactly sure, but he is. And he's not a Levite. So we have precedent that you can be a priest of God and not be a Levite. But more than just showing that there's a precedent, the writer wants us to know that this Melchizedek, as a priest, is greater than Levi. Now, already in verse 1, we've got that this Melchizedek, he wasn't just a priest, he was also a king. Now, the priests of Levi, they were never kings. Because the kings of Israel, they had to come from the tribe of Judah, not Levi. So you could be a priest or a king, but you definitely couldn't be both. But this Melchizedek was both priest of God Most High and king. And not only that, he seemed to have eternal life. So down to verse 3. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. See, back in Genesis 14, we're not told what family Melchizedek came from. We're not told about his death. It's kind of like he lives forever, like the Son of God. So is Melchizedek greater than Levi? Well, he's kind of an eternal fellow. He's also both a king and a priest. And on top of this, to show that he just blows poor old Levi out of the water, it turns out that Melchizedek is even greater than Abraham. And that's the real clincher because everyone knows that Abraham 
is far greater than Levi. Abraham was the one who first got the promises of God. All Israelite history and significance stems from Abraham. And yet Melchizedek was greater even than him. And we know this because Melchizedek met Abraham. They were around at the same time. It was just after a great battle that Abraham had been involved in and Abraham had won. And there was some plunder from the victory. And when Melchizedek came out to meet Abraham after the battle, Abraham offered up a tenth of all his plunder and gave it to Melchizedek, paid him homage. And then it was Melchizedek who blessed Abraham and the greater blesses the lesser. Come down to verse 6. Verse 6, this man, Melchizedek, this man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. Bottom line so far, Melchizedek is greater than Levi because he's got forever in his veins. He was both a king and a priest And Melchizedek made even Abraham look small, let alone Levi. Now remember, the writer's trying to establish that Jesus is our priest, even though he's from the tribe of Judah. And so he's shown that there was a priest of God that wasn't a Levite, and he's also shown that that priest, Melchizedek, was greater than Levi. The next thing we discover is that Levi's priesthood is finished. Sure, the Levitical priests were established by God, but their time's up. It's time for the warm-up act to get off stage so that we can have the headline star. And it was always going to be this way. God knew that their time would come. And that's why, back in the Old Testament, God promised that a new order of priest would come after the Levitical priest. God promised that one day a priest in the order of Melchizedek would appear and the reason he'd come is because the Levite priests weren't good enough. The Levitical priests, that priesthood was broken and so God promised that a new order would come to replace them. Verse 11. Verse 11. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the law was given to the people, why was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. For when there is a change of priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. Do you hear what he's saying? If the Levitical priesthood could have attained perfection, if going to the temple and the priests and sacrificing animals for your sin, if that system could truly deal with sin, then why did God say that another priesthood would have to come? You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Thing is, the Levitical priesthood was broken, didn't work. And so there's been a change of priesthood because... The promised priest in the order of Melchizedek, he's appeared. He's come. Which means the time of the Levite priest has come to an end. God's promise of a new priest like Melchizedek, it comes in Psalm 110. And the writer quotes it. And he says that that priest that was promised, he has appeared. Look at it there from verse 15. Verse 15. 
And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, and here's the quote from Psalm 110, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So to be a priest in the order of Melchizedek, you have to live forever. As he says, you have to have an indestructible life. And that's Jesus. He's the priest like Melchizedek that's appeared. He sacrificed himself for the people's sins and then Jesus burst out of the grave, resurrected to live forever. Jesus is the priest like Melchizedek that's appeared. And so with the coming of Jesus, the old Levitical priesthood has been set aside. It's been trashed. It's been dumped because it didn't work. Verse 18, the former regulation, the Levitical priesthood, is set aside. Because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. With the coming of Jesus as the priest of Melchizedek, the Levitical priests have been set aside. They've been taken over. They're not needed anymore. There's a number of jobs, aren't there, that don't exist anymore. Uh, Here's a couple of pictures of jobs that have long gone. Uh, First off, back in the day, if you went for a game of uh, 10-pin bowling, you would see a bunch of kids at the end of your alley. They're not causing trouble. They were known as the pin setters because they'd reset your pins after your go. Of course, we don't have them anymore. And then there were people like this fellow. Hopefully you can see his little pole. Okay, they, these guys functioned like alarm clocks. They were hired to make sure that you woke up to get to work on time. They'd use these long sticks or pebbles or clubs and they'd knock on your window to get you out of bed. You've got to wonder, though, who got these guys up to go to work. Now, these jobs have been done away with, haven't they? They're not needed anymore. And the writer's point in Hebrews 7 is that the Levitical priests, they've been done away with. They're not needed anymore. Because their system of sacrifices, verse 18, was weak and useless. It didn't bring about the actual forgiveness of sins. It was only ever a warm-up act for when the priest of Melchizedek would show up. And Jesus has come as that priest. And so the Levitical priests are done. They are over. Now it's just Jesus who's our priest. And his priesthood is permanent. He's perfectly done the job of bringing sinners to God, and so he is permanently our priest. Look at it there from verse 23. Verse 23. Now there have been many of those priests, the ones from Levi, there's been many of them since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. See, he's permanently our priest. He's forever the one who will sort out our sin for us. No one will come after him to continue his work. No one will have to come after him to do what he couldn't do. No, he's priest forever. He's able to save completely. Verse 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. 
See, Jesus lives forever, always to speak to the Father on our behalf. It's like he's our lawyer. And Jesus makes our case for us. And his case is watertight. It's flawless. For his case is, I've already died for their sin. Their sins are completely dealt with. I died for them is what he says. And so he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. I don't know what skeletons you've got in your closet. I don't know what shameful secrets you don't want anyone to know about. But friends, God dares you to believe him. That no matter how filthy your life has been, when Christ is your priest, you're saved completely. He meets your need. Look at verse 26. Such a high priest meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he doesn't need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. The Levitical priests, they couldn't meet the people's needs because they had their own sins to deal with. And when they made a sacrifice for your sins, it only lasted until you sinned again. And so they'd have to make another sacrifice and another sacrifice day after day after day, whereas Jesus sacrificed for our sins once for all when he offered himself, when he died for us. He meets our need permanently. One perfect sacrifice to atone for all sin, living forever, to speak to the Father on our behalf. He's our perfect, permanent priest. Look, I know there's a lot of detail in here about Levi, Melchizedek, Jesus, but the main point is simple. Jesus is the priest we need. The only priest we'll ever need. Look at back to chapter 8, verse 1. The point of what we're saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. You see, we do have our high priest. All other priests have been shown for what they are. Useless. Weak and unable to save us. And so we have absolutely no need for any other priest. And we have to get this right. Because get the wrong priest and you're cut off from God. Now for the original readers, their temptation would have been to go back to the Jewish priest, to go back to the temple and the Levite priest. That's not a danger for us. Now, our dangers, it's not going to be denying that Jesus is our priest. Our danger is going to be adding more priests onto Jesus, thinking that there are others who can be priests alongside him, people other than Jesus who can help us to draw near to God. It's not true. 
Unfortunately, though, there are many people who try and claim this title. And so you have priests in churches. You've got priests in the Catholic Church. Now, I know you've got priests in the Anglican Church as well, but it gets a little bit confusing here. They get their name from the Greek word for elder and from the Latin word for someone placed in charge. And so Anglican priests are priests by name, but not in function. It's a little bit confusing, I know. But a Catholic priest is said to function like a priest, as we've been thinking about this morning. A Catholic priest is said to be able to deal with your sins. And so when you commit what's called grave sins, you're meant to go to confession, where you bring those sins to your Catholic priest in order to be forgiven. Minor sins, you can take those little ones straight to God, but grave sins, you take them to your local priest. And according to Hebrews 7, that's wrong. That's horribly wrong. Verse 24, because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Verse 25, therefore he is able to save completely. He doesn't need any help. Verse 26, such a high priest meets our need. Chapter 8, verse 1, the point of what we're saying is this, we do have such a high priest. Jesus is the only priest. And he'll be that way forever. To think that we need another priest is to say that Jesus isn't good enough. That Jesus' sacrifice, it wasn't once for all. That your sins, they're not dealt with. That you need someone else to be able to draw near to God. You need another priest. It's simply not true. This year marks the 500th anniversary of the beginning of what's called the Reformation. 500 years ago, pretty much the only church there was, was the Catholic Church. But October the 31st, 1517, Martin Luther, a Catholic monk, nailed his 95 theses on the door of the castle church in Wittenberg. Luther had been reading his Bible and he'd worked out that the Catholic Church had a whole bunch of things wrong with it, like this idea of needing a Catholic priest to get your sins forgiven. At that stage, Luther had come up with 95 things that needed sorting out. In time, there'd be many more. And it sparked a worldwide movement. People, a whole bunch of them, began reading their Bibles and they too worked out that this whole Catholic priesthood thing was all wrong. They went back to their Bible and they worked out that they needed to break away from the Catholic Church. And like I said, it was happening all over the world. So new churches began popping up all over the place. So in Scotland, you got the Prezies. In England, you got the Church of England. In Germany, you got the Lutheran Church and so on. And they were known as Protestant denominations because they were protesting. Protesting against the Catholic Church about, among other things, how your sins are forgiven. They were fighting for the truth that the only priest we need for the forgiveness of sins is Jesus. Many reformers literally died for this truth. Because they knew that as soon as you turn to some other so-called priest to bring you to God, it's all over. Because God is crystal clear, without the right priest, you can't approach him. Without the right priest, you won't be forgiven. Without the right priest, you won't be saved from the coming wrath of God. We need the right priest. We have to get this right. And the point of what we're saying is this. We do have such a high priest. 
Because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. You want to be right with God, then you must go through Jesus and him alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're well aware of our sin and our deep need to be made right with you. And we know we can't do that on our own. And we thank you that you've given us even your own son to be our priest. Thank you for his once for all sacrifice for sins. Thank you that he can save us completely. Thank you that he speaks to you on our behalf. Thank you that in him we are sure of forgiveness. And so, Father, we pray that all our lives we would be crystal clear and look to Christ and him alone, that we might draw near to you. And we pray it in his name. Amen.